say this, why don't we welcome those who are joining us online or watching or listening uh, to a podcast. Can we say a big hello to them? We're glad that you are here today and listening. And if you're ever in our area, why don't you come to one of our services? We would love to have you here. So this is part three of our Easter series called A New Life. And we're remembering and celebrating the beautiful, and it is a beautiful work, the beautiful redemptive work of Jesus Christ on the cross. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, in the message version of the Bible, it says this, God put the wrong on him. Who? Jesus. God put the wrong on him who never did any wrong. Why? So we could be put right with God. That's what he did on the cross. He put us right with God. Could we deserve, did we deserve it? No. He did it for our sake. He died our death so that we could live his life. Beauty became the beast. The sinless one took on the face of a sinner so the sinners could take on the face of a saint. Jesus did this for who? For you. For us. So that we could know him. And then we talked about the life-changing power of the resurrection where God takes what is a symbol of uh, uh, symbols of tragedy and turns them into symbols of triumph. Symbols like the Roman cross, which was a symbol of torture, a symbol of death, and, and he turns it into a symbol of love. God takes that. No one will wear a guillotine around their neck. No one will wear it. But the cross, this, this horrible instrument, has been turned into a symbol of God's love for us. And the empty tomb, a symbol of death, so often bringing sadness has now become a symbol of death, a symbol of life, not a symbol of death, a symbol of life. Why? Because the tomb is empty. Because here's the good news, my friend. We do not worship a God who, who was alive and is now dead. We worship a God who was dead and now he's alive. Come on, somebody. Oh, I like this side better. They're clapping. He's alive. And he's changing. He's changing. There, you need to pick it up this side. Come on. He's changed our lives, and He's at work in our lives. The Scripture tells us in Romans 8, 28, 8, 28, and everything God works, He's at work in our lives. Why? Because He's alive. He's not dead. He's alive. He's at work. Not just 2,000 years ago. He's at work right now. How do I know that? Because He's at work in my life. Anybody else's life, He's uh, done some work, and we all need some work. We all got issues. About three of you. The rest of you are lying. That's an issue right there. Come on. That's, I mean, we all got issues. We all got stuff that's, uh, that's going on. And he is at work. And those working for good. Not everything is good, but he's working for the good of those who love them. And not only in this, but in hundreds of millions of lives, who, lives around the world today. And so in this final part, I want to touch on what I guess, was, uh, guess is a rather obscure uh, verse or in the story of the cross. And though it's obscure, it's quite significant in its meaning. And I really do pray you would uh, uh, get the meaning uh, of this in your, your heart. It's, it's quite important to me that you can grab what I'm about to say today. Because if, it, if, it, if you do, it can change the way you relate to God. It can change the way you even see Him and respond to Him. So I'm reading from the last few moments of Christ on the cross in Matthew 27, it goes like this. About three o'clock, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, and he said, My God, my God, why have you deserted me? Another version, why have you forsaken me? Some of those standing there heard Jesus cry out, and they said, He's calling Elijah. 
Right away, one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar and put it on a stick. He offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest said, leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. After Jesus cried out in a loud voice, he died. Another version says he gave up his spirit. You've got to understand he gave it up. Nobody took it. He gave it up. He gave himself for us. Jesus cried out again in a loud voice, and he died. And then it says this in Matthew 27, verse 51. It says, at that moment, everybody say, at that moment. At, At that moment, the temple curtain was torn in two from top to bottom. Earlier this year, Anita and I traveled to the United States. We were going to Texas to speak at a conference there and at a church uh, there. And our first stop, we flew in and we stopped at San Francisco. And we landed there. And, and um, going, we've been to San Francisco before, but one thing, it was under a new Trump administration and uh, trying to make America great again. But um, they, as we arrived there, the, the security we just noticed was way, way, way heavier than what it's ever been on any other previous uh, trip there. We went to one counter, we came out, and we found out it was the wrong counter, and we went and stood there, and we got ready, and the uh, guard came up and told us, sir, you can't stand there. You need to move right over there to that line over there. And we're like, yes, sir, no, sir, three bags full, sir, wherever you say, sir, because you don't want to mess around with them. They got guns. They got guns. They shoot you. And so, so we're going, we're following around, and we're doing all these things, and there's people directing us, and people yelling at me, come over here, you can't stand there, you're over here, you're in here, you, 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 over here. And I was like, oh, this is pretty, pretty serious. I mean, we needed to go, we could see the gate where we needed to go through, but we couldn't enter in because we, all this process uh, uh, was there. And anyway, it took us about two hours to go through, and we actually ended up back at the same counter that we're in, that they told us to uh, uh, go away from. But here's the thing. The place I needed to go to was just beyond the gates, just beyond the barriers. But I couldn't get through there unless they gave permission. Unless they gave permission, unless they said, you can pass through here, unless they stamped my passport, unless, unless they uh, said, I can come, I can enter in to where I need to go, I couldn't get in. They needed to give me permission. I just couldn't do it. In fact, to try and do it, to just, I had to stop Anita. She's just like, I'm just going to go anyway. No, she didn't really. But, I, uh, but, but to, to do so, to try and walk through the barriers, at the very least, is stupid. But in America, at the worst, it's deadly. Because they'll shoot you. Because you can't go through that. There's a barrier you're not meant to go through. You, you have to go through the proper way. You can't enter in unless they give you permission. A few years ago, 2012, Mason and I traveled to India. Uh, Mason got the normal visa that people get. He did it online here. I, I read about this new visa called a uh, visa on arrival for uh, people in India, for Kiwis and stuff. You can just get a visa on arrival. And I thought, that's great. That's like Singapore. When you arrive at Singapore, you go and been there a few times. They just like, hello, and they stamp your passport and you walk on through. Visa on arrival. I thought, India, it'll be, just, it'll be so easy. Oh, no, how I was wrong. India, nothing is easy. I want to tell you. Straight away, it was a problem. So we come there, we see the sign that says, you don't go where everyone else goes. You, New Zealanders, Australians, with a, a visa on arrival, you go there. I thought, wow, they're treating us special and all that type of thing. So we, we go down, they sat us on this uh, nice, nice couch. And instead of being a visa on arrival, what, was, what it was was interrogation on arrival, right, mates? I mean, it was interrogation. Like, why are you want to hear? Why are you here? Where are you staying? What are you doing? Why are you here? I'm phoning Anita back in the thing. My computer wouldn't work. They wanted to see, I don't know, my Facebook or whatever. They wanted 
wanted to look at stuff, and I was just like, oh, man, this is pretty, uh, pretty freaky. And I, I could see where we needed to go. And it just kept getting worse and worse. And they said, we're going to put you on the flight back to Singapore. You can't get in here, buddy. I was like, and you've come such a long way. You've paid such a lot of money to get there. And they're about to, 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 to send me back. But I can see where I need to go. It's just through there. It's just over there. If I can just get through. It's pretty dangerous to do that, of course, because the guys have got machine guns and stuff. So they don't just have guns. They've got machine guns uh, there because they don't want to let anyone through. Anyway, they said, well, you've got to pay some money. In India, somehow, always, there's got to be some money paid. <laughs> and so he's like, you've got to pay some money. So come over here. So we, they took us to this bank where we had to pay it. Just as we were about to pay it, the people said, we're very hungry. We're going to have dinner now. <laughs> and so they started eating their dinner right in front of us. We're standing at the counter while they're eating their dinner. How's the curry? Beautiful. So they're doing, eventually we pay the money, and eventually they allowed us through. But here's the thing, we couldn't get through unless they, we couldn't get through the barrier unless they gave us permission. We couldn't enter into where we needed to go unless they gave permission. Just couldn't. I want to say this. Imagine if you went to that country one day, we went to India on this day, and the next day we went there, all the barriers were removed. All the barriers were gone. They're just taken away. Yesterday, if you walked in and tried to cross the barrier, you'd be shot. Now, now, if you, you, you go in and all the barriers are removed. Imagine if I turned up in America uh, uh, tomorrow and all the barriers that were there at San Francisco, now I come in, all the barriers are gone. They're just gone. We can just walk on, walk on in. You say, well, that type of thing can never happen. Well, it did. Happened in 1990 in Germany, actually, where West Germany was reunited with East Germany. There was a wall there called the Berlin Wall, and it was known as this. The unofficial name, if you like, was the Iron Curtain. It was known as the Iron Curtain. It was the thing that separated the East and the West. And it was a barrier that stretched across countries that represented communist East and the Western values of Europe and America and the Western world, I guess. But it was, a, it was one of the most militarized places on the face of the earth. And if you tried to get across from East to West, here's the thing that would happen. You'd be shot. You'd shot. There was barbed wire fences. Many people tried to get across. Many people tried to get in, but they couldn't. And as they did, they were shot. But in 1990, the wall came down. What seemed impossible, this thing yesterday, I'd get shot for doing this. But today, I can enter in. Why? Because the Iron Curtain fell down. The Iron Curtain opened up. The Iron Curtain was gone. And now you could enter into where you needed to go. No barriers, no passport. The, the, the Iron Curtain was removed. I want to tell you about a curtain that was torn. I want to tell you about a curtain that was a barrier between us and God. And that curtain the Bible talks about was torn and opened up so that we can get access, so that we can enter. Come on, I'm preaching good. So you can get access and enter into all that God has for us. I want to tell you about that curtain, which represents, I guess, the iron curtain that stood between us and a holy God, sinful man. And a holy, holy God. In Matthew 27, verse 51, I read it out before. It said, at that moment, at that moment, the temple curtain was torn in two from top to bottom. What moment? What moment is it speaking about? It's speaking about the moment that Christ gave up his life on the cross. At that moment. At that moment when Jesus gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain was torn. What curtain are we talking about? It was at that moment that our sin was atoned for. At that moment, that curtain was torn. What, 
What curtain are we talking about? We're talking about the temple curtain. What temple? The temple is speaking about what is known as Herod's temple. Before that, Solomon's temple. And that temple was a central place of worship. It was a massive structure. It was built in 20 BC. And in AD 70, it was destroyed by the Romans because of a Jewish uprising. Today, you can still go and understand this. When we speak stories from the Bible, we're not talking fairy tales here. We're not talking in, uh, you know, once upon a time. We're talking about places that exist, people, time and places, real places, real people. And, and, and so you've got to understand that these places exist to, uh, today on the remains of Solomon's temple or Herod's temple is a masjid or mosque known as the Dome of the Rock. It sits on the site right in the middle of Jerusalem. Many Jews, of course, still pray at what is known as the Wailing Wall which is a part of the old temple situated in Jerusalem. Here's a photo to give you some perspective. You can see the dome on the rock, which is the third most holiest site in Islam. And uh, it actually, uh, it, which, which is quite sad because Jews are not allowed to pray on, their, on that platform anymore. You can see all the Jews gathered down at the wailing, wailing wall, seeking God and praying uh, to Him. A powerful picture, but you can see there the size and, and vastness of the temple. If you look at the next photo that we have, you can see this is a remodel of the actual temple. You've got to understand this is an ancient architecture. It was 15 stories high. They built this without concrete, 15 stories high, brick upon brick, layer upon huge limestone and stuff, uh, 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 layers a massive, uh, incredible feat of architecture for that time. Inside the temple is the curtain that we're talking about. Inside the temple, there were many temple courts. There were outer courts, inner courts, courts for women, courts for uh, men. But in this building, there were two places, the, the holy place and then the most holy place. And the curtain we're talking about today is this curtain here. And this curtain separates the most holy place from the holy place. I want you to understand what was, was going on here. And so, so you, 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 you've got to understand this huge veil was there. So Jewish worshipers, they can enter the outer courts, but only the priests could enter the holy place. And no one except the high priest one day a year could go into the most holy place. Why couldn't he go in there? Because that was where the presence of God resided. That's where the Shekinah, boom, glory. There's only one way I can put it. Like the, like God, like amazing, awesome is there. And, and, and here's the thing. God's holy. We are not. And so that veil separated between man and God. And so no one could go in there except the high priest and only once a year. And to go in there, to go in there. When you're not the high priest or not the right time, was at the very least stupid, but at the very worst, you end up dead. You'd go in there, the prince of God kill you. Boom. And it happened. We, we know that because two of Aaron's sons went in there and they ended up dead. They went to, oh, let's go and do an offering. They took a two casual win in there and poof, gone, dead. So that curtain represented in no uncertain terms declared that you can come this close to God and no further. You can come this close. There is a separation between man and 
God. God is holy. You are not. And there is a separation between us. For 1,500 years, this massive curtain draped the holy of holies. You can take it down now, Michaela. What did it communicate to man? What did that curtain mean to the Jew or to, to mankind? It was simply this. God is holy, separate from us. He's unapproachable. This was our iron curtain. This was saying you can come this close to God and no more. You need a priest, someone to mediate for you, someone to be a, a, a go-between for you. You just can't go in to the presence of God. And that's just not like only for you people. That's like for even the like super-duper apostle-type people too. Even Moses, Moses himself, when God appeared to him, said, don't look, I'm going to appear past, I'm going to go past Past you, my presence is going to pass you by. Cover your face. Don't look because no one can see me, it says in Exodus 33, verse 20. Nobody, you cannot see my face because no one can see me and live. I'm holy. You're not. This communicated to people, this veil, this curtain, communicated that God is holy and we are sinners and there is a distance between us. And isn't that our problem? We know God is good and we know we are not. We feel far from God because of it. Yet my Bible says, at that moment, at that moment, what moment? At that moment when Christ died, at that moment when my sins were atoned for, at that moment when he, he, he gave up his breath and his life, at that moment... Everything changed. When Jesus cried out, it says in Matthew 27, when Jesus cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn from top to bottom. From top to bottom. That's significant. From top to bottom. Not from bottom to top. From top to bottom. Because what was happening, what, what was happening there, you've you, you got to understand, this was not something man could do. This was not man coming in and saying, I'm going to rip the curtain now. He's taking care of ourselves. Let's rip the curtain. No, no, no. It says it was ripped from top to bottom. It's not something man could do. It's something God, God did. So you, you, you've got to understand the type of curtain we're talking about today. We aren't talking about some warehouse, Briscoe's ready-made, ready-to-hang curtain here. We're not talking, I'll oh, just go and buy it and put it up and there you go. I'm, I'm talking about the mother of all curtains. You ain't seen a curtain like this. This is the mother of all curtains. Turn to the person next to you and say it was big. It was really big. Turn, turn to the person on to the other side of your second choice and say it was really big. Really big. It was actually, how, how big? It was 18 meters high, 60 feet high. It was 9 meters wide, 30 feet wide. It's a massive curtain. Huge. But not only this, I only learned this this week. It was not only high, it was not only wide, it was three feet thick. It was three feet thick. Sometimes, Reuben will say to me, Dad, I want to wash my car. Not very regularly. But he'll say, Dad, I want to wash the car. And he'll say, you got any rags? And I'll say, well, here's a rag. And then if I try and rip it, and don't look at me funny, because you've had trouble ripping rags as well. But I've tried to rip that rag, and, and, and I'm just like, oh, come on, man. Come on. I know you've struggled opening jars too. I know. We're all like that. 
Watch out. I can't even, I have difficulty ripping it. You've seen those guys, muscle guys who look a little bit like me. You know, you've seen those guys and they take those telephone books and they rip them. And part, I mean, this curtain was serious, brother. This was like three feet thick. This is a curtain. This keeps the sunlight out. You know what I'm saying? It's like, uh, yeah, it's not going to let any sun through. Okay, this was a thick curtain. And the Bible says, without hesitation, without delay, without even just a pause, at the moment, at the moment Christ died, at the moment sin was atoned for, sin was ransomed, at that moment, the curtain in the temple was torn in two. Like a piece of paper, torn in two. From the top to the bottom. Because what was it like? It was almost like God's hands, the hands of God, were on the curtain, looking across to Calvary, looking across to, to his son, about to pay the penalty for our sin and for our, uh, for our shame and for our guilt. And he's got his hands on the curtain because he's been wanting to relate with man. But sin, he's a holy God. He's been wanting to relate with man. His hands are on the top of the curtain as Jesus uh, just uh, says and gives up his spirit. He, he, he's like, he's, I, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. And as soon at that moment, <laughs> he rips open the curtain. Creating access where there had never been access before. Tearing down the, what was for us, our iron curtain, so we could now have a relationship with God. In that moment, without delay, as Christ did this, He opened up a way. He made a way where there seemed to be no way that we can know this holy God. We couldn't do it. We couldn't tear it. He did it. God did it. God made the way for us. Think about it. The massive curtain hole, neck minute, torn in two, cut in half. No delay, no hesitation from top to bottom. Why? Because God did this. When at the moment our sins were atoned for. Do you know that today, my friend? Christ has paid the penalty for my sins. Stop living in your sin. He's paid the penalty for our sins. At that moment, at the moment Christ gave up his spirit, God tore down the curtain. So what does that mean? Well, for the Jew, it means no more barrier between them and the Holy of Holies. No more priests to go between them and God. No more animal sacrifice to atone for their sins. And what does it mean for you and I? What does it mean for us as followers of Jesus Christ? It means that we are now welcome. Oh, I pray you get this in your spirit. It means now that we are welcome. You are welcome. Stop saying stuff like God would never love a person like me. Stop saying stuff like a God would never accept a person. Stop it. Because the, by, the, by, by the torn curtain, we now know that you and I are, can freely enter He's given you a security clearance. You can go through your passport, your visa's approved. You can move into that holy, you can move into that holy place. We're welcome now to freely enter into God's presence any day, any time, any place, anywhere. See, God Himself. Why has this happened? Because God Himself has removed the barrier that prevented access. Yesterday, the barrier was up. Today, it's gone. 
Yesterday, to, to, to go in there meant certain death. Today, it's gone. I can walk right in. That veil that stood as an iron curtain separating us and stopping us from entering freely into the presence of God is gone. It's gone. Tap your neighbor and say, it's gone. See, what's once symbolized and separated you and I from God has been removed. It has been removed. Can I just tell you, stop putting it back. Stop putting it back. Stop putting back what God has removed. He's removed it. It's gone. Someone said this, nothing remains between you and God but an open door. Nothing. See, something happened in the death of Christ that opened the door for you and me. And that something was described by the writer of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 10. Listen to what it says. It says, so brothers and sisters, we are completely free. What are we? Oh, no, no, come on. We're not just free. What are we? Say it one more time. One more time. You're completely free. Stop going around like you're not. So, oh, well, God, I don't know if God would. No, no, no. My Bible says, and I, I choose to believe the Bible, not what I think, not what the, 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 the voices in my head. I choose to believe what God says about me. God says, I'm completely free. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. It's not a joke, it's a truth that we can receive for our lives. It says, We are, you are completely, not half, not just a little bit, you are completely free to what? To enter. Into the presence of God. To enter, oh, this is so good. Thank you. To enter into the most holy place, listen, without fear. Some of you are approaching God like, oh, I don't know if he likes me. He might zap me. You know, there are people who won't come into church because they're scared God will zap them. Bible said, don't approach me like that. Don't approach me with fear. You've got to understand here today, you're completely free. You're completely free. Turn to your neighbor and say, listen, you're completely free. Tell them, don't be a nincompoop. You are completely free. I hope nincompoop is all right to say. <laughs> Someone will send me a letter. Send it to Mason or something. So you'll keep completely free. Why? Because of the blood of Jesus. It's not something we could do, not something we could earn, not something we did. Because of the blood of Jesus, we can enter. You can enter. I can enter. Oh, but Pastor, I'm, I sort of muck up all the time. No, 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 no. It's not about you. This is about Jesus. He paid the price because he knows we muck up. You know, I mucked up maybe, what, once 20 years ago or something. I've been fine since then. Now, come on! I can't even go 20 minutes without mucking up. Come on, speak the truth. Show me your hand if you can't. I mean, come on! Because we're human. We can enter through a new and living way that Jesus opened up. We can never open it up. He opened it up for us. Would you receive him today? He's opened a way for you. Would you allow God to work in your life? He's opened a way for you. It leads through the curtain, Christ's body. That's interesting. The curtain is called Christ's body. The curtain is called Christ's body. According to the writer here, the curtain equals Christ's body. What does that mean? Well, whatever happened to the flesh of Jesus happened to the curtain. What happened to the flesh of Jesus? It was torn. It was torn by the whips. It was torn by the thorns. It was torn by the weight of the cross and the point of the nails. It was torn for you. But in the horror of the torn flesh, we see the splendor of an open door. Oh, I'll say it again. I like that. In the horror of the torn flesh, we see the splendor 
of an open door. What was once closed, three feet thick, is now open, now torn away, is made for us. So the ancient words of, uh, of Job are, are, are ours. If only there were a mediator who could bring us together. If only there were a mediator. And here's the good news, there is. His name is Jesus. There is one God and one mediator, the Bible says, between God and men, Christ Jesus. A mediator is what? It's one who goes between. And understand this, Jesus' body represents the curtain between us and God. And wasn't his flesh torn for us? So what actually appeared to be the cruelty of man was actually the sovereignty of God. It was the sovereignty of God. For through him and by him, Jesus, the sacrifice. Look what it says. We both have access. It says in Ephesians 2 verse 18. We both have access. For through him, the sacrifice, we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Yesterday, we didn't have access to God. Yesterday, the barrier was up. Yesterday, the curtain was still uh, there. But at that moment, the curtain was torn. And we can know that freedom. That's why we say saying sometimes, like God has made a way where there seemed to be no way. That's why we say that. God did it. He tore it from top to bottom. See, we can't make our own way through the gate. We can't make our uh, own way through the barrier. We can't make our own way through the iron curtain. We don't have access. We don't have security uh, uh, clearance. And uh, to do so is to die. About five years ago, we were in London, Anita and I, and we had a chance as while you're in London, you've got to go and see Buckingham Palace and stuff. And so we, we went to do that with her sister and uh, we got there and we were going to see the changing of the guard and the changing of the guard wasn't on that day because it was the Queen's Jubilee year and they were all getting ready and building stages and all that type of thing. So we couldn't, we couldn't get in. And so anyway, we're standing there at the, um, at the fence near the gates and stuff and Anita's sister decides she wants to take a photo of the inside of Buckingham Palace, you know, you've got the guards with the red stuff and the big hats and all that. So she puts her hand through the bars of the uh, Buckingham Palace and she, she goes to take a photo and she drops the camera inside Buckingham Palace grounds. And I'm like, oh man, how are we going to get that? This is kind of awkward. And so there, there was guards over there and they're standing there with their machine guns, these police officers. And I was like, oh, it's a bit awkward trying to contact them. So I went to look to see if I could find a a way in, and I ended up meeting this British Bobby. He was an Indian, Indian guy, little, little British Bobby. I was like, mate, can you help us? We've got a problem. We've dropped the camera inside the grounds. Can you come, because I needed him to understand me. I said, can you come and help us get this out of the Buckingham Palace, please? He said, uh, I said, uh, you know, you're a policeman. Those guys are policemen. Can you radio them up and tell them, hey, these guys, nincompoops, have dropped their camera right here in the grounds. I need to go pick it up. He said, mate, mate. I don't know if he said mate, but he said, he's like, he's like I can't do it. He says, they're on a hold. They're, they're next level police officers, you know. They're just guarding the queen and all that type of thing. We can't. I can't talk to them. They're on their own sort of frequency. Next level. 
And so um, I said, well, can you do something? I need to get that camera. I can't just leave it there. And so what happened was, as they, uh, uh, he came to the gate with me, and he started yelling at the policeman standing over by Buckingham Palace. He's like, hi, 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 like, like this. And uh, the guy's the security guy. He's looking with his machine gun and whatever. He's like, what is going on here? And then suddenly, I, I see the guy over there. He gets a radio, uh, radio call. And he's just doing like this, and he comes straight, straight over to where, where we were and uh, opens up the gate, says, come on, come on into Buckingham Palace. I'm like, this is cool, going into Buckingham uh, uh, Palace. And what I found out after, obviously, this took about five minutes, but what I found out is that while this guy, this policeman yelling, ah, yeah, he, he was screaming, uh, the Queen was actually in the, uh, like, an office or some place up there, I don't know what part, she had seen that, asked what was happening, and uh, told him. And the queen herself said, well, open it up. Let them get their, their camera. So five minutes ago, there was guards. I couldn't pass through. I couldn't get through. I couldn't get through. And now, right now, everything's opened up. Same guards, same there. But I, 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 it's opened up for me, and I was able to get the camera. Why? Because the queen up there saw me down there. The queen up there saw me down there. And made a way and, and, and just helped me get through. Now, all of what I've told you, apart from the Queen, but it's true. <laughs> but I need to illustrate a point. Yes, the policeman did all of that. Yes, we dropped the camera. Yes, all, all of that we managed to receive it. But the Queen didn't see us. But I wanted to demonstrate a point. Because the king up there saw you down here and knew that you couldn't get through the barrier. Nothing's going to let you through. That barrier is always going to be there. But the king up there saw you down here, and he opened the barrier for you. He put them down. See, you can't enter in unless the king gives you permission. You can't enter in unless the king makes a way. I want to tell you here today, Jesus made a way where there seemed to be no way. He made a way in the desert where we can get through and come into his presence. He did it. That's why I want you to get this. Get this today. What was impossible is now possible. It was impossible to go into the presence of God because of the curtain. But now what was impossible was possible. You have security clearance. It says in Ephesians 2, verse 10, the worship team can come. It says, now, and it's singers, everybody just come. It says, now in Christ Jesus, you who were far away from God are brought near. You who are far away from God are brought near. And then it says this. It says, let us. It's you and me. Let us. Let us then. Once we've understood this, once we've, we've got this, once we've figured this out, that the curtain's gone, that the, that the torn flesh represents the splendor of an open door. Once we understand this, it says, we can then approach the throne of grace with fear and trembling. No, that's not what it says. We can approach the throne of grace very carefully. We can approach the throne of grace. With what? With confidence. With confidence. Some of you are concentrating too much on yourself and your problems instead of what God has taken care of on the cross of Calvary for you. You're looking at all that's wrong with you instead of all that's right with God. He made a way where there seemed to be no way. 
says, let us approach the throne of grace then. God's not sitting there with a stick ready to beat you. Just stop thinking like that. It's a God who's torn his flesh. So you can know him. So you can have fellowship. So, so you can enter into the very presence of God. So that you who are far away have now been brought near. So let us approach him. And we can approach him. Let us approach him. The throne of grace. Not the throne of judgment. The throne of grace. With confidence. And assurity. So that we may receive mercy. You need mercy today. So we, we might find grace. Do you need grace today? So that we might find help. Do you need help today? Help in our time of need. If you've got a need today, run to Him. You can approach Him. You can approach Him with confidence. Because He's made a way. What was closed is now open. The barrier's down. You didn't do it. They've given you permission. Walk on in. Come on in. You can enter in. Where you need to get to, it's right in here. You can enter into the very presence of God. You need to know this deep on your, you need to know this in your Noah. Deep in your Noah. I know that I know this. Because if you don't know this and you don't understand this, here's what we do. We have a tendency to put the barrier back. We start putting the barrier back because of our guilt, because of our shame, because of our things. We start rebuilding the wall. We start re-putting up the curtain. Hang on, it doesn't look nice up here. Well, we start, we start putting the curtain up where God's not putting it up. He's already taken it down. He's like, we stop putting it up. I've taken it down. Will you stop putting, putting it up? Will you stop putting barriers up between? I, I've removed the barrier. I, for 1,500 years, that barrier was there. But I've removed the barriers so you can communicate with me. So I can communicate with me. It was lost in the garden, remember? The barrier was there. God had a plan. He said, I'm coming back. I'm going to take care of business. I'm going to do this. I'm going to set it up in a way that I'm treading on the, on the, on the, on the serpent's head. The curtain opened up so we, you and I can relate with God. God's not sitting there going, oh, I don't like you. I don't like what you did last summer. You know, you keep making it up all the time. No, God's not doing that. He's your father. And a good, good father we see. He thinks you're awesome. Oh, but I stuffed up. We all stuff up. That's why we need him. Our guilty conscience becomes the curtain that separates us from God. And we, we start hiding from, from, from our master again. We start hiding from God. But I want to tell you here today, my friends, hear my heart. God isn't angry with you. He's already dealt with your mistakes. He's already de dealt with your muck-ups. I mean, this isn't about us trying to be holy. He's holy. We, 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 we're going to receive that which he has for us. Stop rebuilding the wall. And what God has opened, walk in. You can approach Him without fear and with confidence. Is this helping anyone today? See, the message of the torn flesh is this, that God welcomes you. God is not avoiding you. God is not resisting you. The curtain is down. The door is open. And God invites you in, into fellowship. God invites you into a place that you can know Him. Can I say this? Don't trust your conscience. Trust the cross. Don't trust your conscience. Trust the blood of Jesus. What it's done and what it's accomplished. Trust the torn flesh. You are welcome into God's presence today.
don't run from Him when you muck up. Run to Him. I'll say it again. When you muck up, don't run from Him. Run to Him. Approach the throne of grace with confidence. Receive mercy. Receive grace. Why? Because God put the wrong on Him who never did anything wrong so that we could be put right with God. Friends, don't rebuild the wall. Well, Pastor, I'm just not good enough. I'm not good enough. I need to pray more. I need to do this more. Listen, never pray more to get favor with God. Never serve God so you can get brownie points from. We serve God because He loved us, not so He will love us. He already loves you. How, how much does He love you this much? I know He loves you. We serve Him because He loved us. Out of that, we serve Him. Not so He will love us. The minute you start living life like that and you say, oh, I've got to pray more, I've got to do this more, I've got to read my Bible more, I've got to do that. Also, all of that stuff's good, but not to earn brownie points. But the minute you do, you, you, you do that, you know what you're actually saying to God? Your sacrifice was not good enough. You're, you, you might have said it's finished, but I need to add my bit. I need to do a little bit more. I need to pray more. I need to be, and it can sound real spiritual, but it's not. It's an insult to grace. The grace that you can never purchase, never buy, He's given it to you. It's a free gift. Would you receive it today? Every head bowed and every eye closed across this auditorium. I want to tell you, my friend, you might be in here. You've never known this God. In fact, maybe you're thinking, there was no way I could get to know God. I've explained to you today that you can know God right here, right now, today. 30 years ago, I walked into a service just like this. As a biker, as a drug addict. I felt the presence of God touch my life, touch my heart. That day I gave my life to Christ and I've not turned back. Today, would you give your life to Christ? Today, you thought there was no way that you could ever know Him. Today, you've learned that there's an open door. Would you come in? The Bible says He will knock on the door of your heart. Would you let Him in? Say, but Pastor, I'm so bad. I, I, I keep doing things. I'm not good enough. I need to sort of get my life sorted out. Friend, you need to let Him sort out your life. You've tried it doing it yourself. It's about letting God do what God does best. It's not about how bad you are, but about how good God is. If you're here today and you know you need to get right with God, the moment I'm going to pray a prayer, it says, Christ, come into my heart. If that's you and you're saying, I want to be included in that prayer, wherever you are right now, would you put your hand high in the air and say, that's me, Pastor. I need to get right with God. Thank you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yep. Thanks. Down the back there. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. Anyone else? You just know you need to get right with God here today. Amen. A lot of hands up. Let's all pray together. Lord Jesus, I come to you today a sinner in need of a Savior. I give my heart to you. Would you save me? Wash me. Cleanse me. Be not just my Savior, but my Lord. I give my life to you that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. This I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we put our hands together for all those who said yes to Jesus?